and welcome back to an early morning episode of DSLR Film New Podcast. I got up at 3.45 this morning to start working on the show notes and take a bath, of course, because cleanliness is next to godliness. Mitch, it's early for you as well. Cat puking, what's going on this morning? (laughs) Cat puking in the background. Uh... I'm excited because I get to spend the entire day tomorrow shooting kids. No, I hate it when I say <laughs> that. You know, we got to come up with a better way. Photographing kids takes too long to say. Uh, taking photos of wonderful people. Anyway, that's that's my maybe day. snapping yeah. kids or uh... snapping kids. <laughs> right in half. Breaking them, man. Take them down. On my end, I've been playing around with this. I, I mentioned last episode that I was going on a Craigslist buying spree. I've got here in my hand the GX8, which is now nice. a generation behind what is currently out on the market. But this guy is cute. It's adorable, and it was only 400 bucks. So definitely enjoying that uh, Micro Four Thirds at its finest. And actually very impressed with this little camera for the price. I wouldn't buy it at the $1,000 retail that it originally was, but 400 bucks, it's a bargain. <laughs> Other than that, uh, editing and the usual filmmaking projects continue on. My film festival will start at the beginning of October and run one week, and you can find that in Grand Island, Nebraska. If you're out there, uh, Prairie Lights Film Festival will begin there. Uh, Myself, as well as a number of others, helped to put together the lineup that will be showing for four nights in a row in a historic grand theater. So if you're into that and you live in the Midwest and you want to shuck it out to Grand Island, Nebraska. Go check that out. Otherwise, uh, don't because, you know, that's a long ways away for many of us, including myself. So you won't actually see me there. You just know that I had a part in it. (laughs) So everybody go out there. You won't see DJ, but... Yeah, there you go. On that note, uh, it's a slow but fast news week, so let's get to the news. First up is actually something interesting and kind of takes the wind out of the sails, so to speak, of the GoPro announcement of their drone. Uh, DJI has announced the Mavic, which I keep wanting to say Maverick, but there's no R in there. The Mavic Pro. This is a $750 base model camera included drone that folds up smaller than the Hero whatever offering and it's I don't know. It, it seems like, Mitch, maybe I'm wrong, and I've got the specs here if we want to dig into those, but a camera, a controller, all that stuff, still cheaper than GoPro's offering. This thing basically undercuts the GoPro offering in every way possible. Does that sound right to you? I bought one. You bought one? What? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I was this close, though. I, I still am. I'm, I'm tempted by it. Uh, this, is, this is the first drone quadcopter that's ever appealed to me because of the size and the fact that an idiot like me can fly it uh, without a whole lot of training or anything else. Now that makes it dangerous, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the thing about the Karma, the GoPro Karma that is, was appealing was the fact that you could take the centerpiece out of there and have a separate module where you could handhold the camera and have the gimbal, right? Okay. I mean, that was cool. So you not only have the drone, but you have a handheld gimbal that you can use. Pretty cool. Obviously, the uh, Mavic doesn't do that, but the Mavic folds up into this little thing that's like a little bit bigger than a phone, practically. I mean, it's a lot bigger than a phone, but... Half the size of GoPro's Karma, though, right? Yeah, well, but no, it's smaller than the Karma, I think. Well, I mean, when it folds up, though, the fold-up on this is much more petite. Yes. Because the blades come come into tiny little bots and bits. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, there is a a real problem, however, that people have been talking about, uh, you know, and, and... Guess what? The internet is bashing people. <gasps> I'm shocked. Um, I've really been pissed off at the internet lately. Uh, the quality of the video in 4K appears to be a little bit lower than the Karma or the Phantom 4. 
So if you're expecting comparable video uh, there and, and, and people are still learning, um, Casey Neistat, and I know you don't watch YouTubers, but he has a video uh, comparing the DJI uh, Phantom 4 and the Mavic, and I'm having a hard time with all these names this morning. And you can see a lower quality in the Mavic video. Now, he has since tweeted yesterday evening that he's learned that there are a couple of settings that if you change the settings uh, and if you do the fro focus properly, that you get sharper images. Uh, and I'm hoping that he's going to update that. And I've seen one other video doing a similar comparison, and he had the same problem with focusing. Uh, and so there's still a debate about whether the sharpness uh, is lower on the Mavic. And of course, you know, we have to get these things out in people's hands and that won't happen for a couple of weeks. Uh, but which re brings me to a rant. Uh, <laughs> Already early well, in the show. Yeah. I have seen so many people in the last couple of weeks come down and just complain, complain, complain about image quality. Uh, like on the 5D Mark IV and on this, for example. And what it really just comes down to is sharpness. What they're really, really saying, and, and you know, I've seen comparisons like of the Sony A7R II okay. versus the 5D Mark IV. And the A7R II is sharper when you take the video or the stills because it's a bigger sensor. It's got 40 megapixels versus 30, right? So, and if you downres that, and if you take, you know, blah, 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 there's all the science. But, so, but it's, it's, it's all about sharpness for people these days. Everything you hear is about sharpness and, and whether this is sharp. I don't want everything to be pixel pin, PP, that's nice, sharp, okay? Tell me a story. I mean, and if the Mavic gets you up flying, in a small form factor that's easy to fly and does all the avoidance and everything else that the Phantom 4 does, and the video quality's this much less, who cares? <laughs> Just get up in the, and shoot. Do shoot something and quit bitching online about the sharpness of everything. Well, if there is some complaints about the sharpness, if you look here, you can actually pick up a DJI Phantom 4 for around 1200 bucks with the controller and everything new and use price is like 800 800 ish dollars so i mean it's still in the same price range as right. this new offering it, it right. doesn't fold up as much and maybe missing a few of the new auto control features but i don't know i i've been messing around with the 5d mark IV, and i want to back up for a second you, you okay. talked about that not being uh, uh sharp enough i have no problem with it you know Honestly, the 5D Mark III in 1080p, I had no problem with the sharpness. Even the 5D Mark II did not bother <laughs> me very much. People, there's several bloggers out there that have always ranted and raved about the image quality and, and how much is lost and how the lack of sharpness ruins everything. Uh, honestly, for me, that is not a huge issue. I want good focus, but... You get too sharp and you start to get that sort of ugly uh, soap opera-esque digital video look that is somewhat disgusting to me personally. And, you know, in the old days, people would actually smear Vaseline and grease on the freaking lenses in order to soften them up so that you did not get that crisp, sharp edge look. And to me... Everything above the 5D Mark III, uh, GH4, all these cameras, uh, they're good enough for most, I would say, 95% of the shooters, especially if you're out there as an individual shooter by yourself doing, you know, small music video projects, narrative stuff, documentary work, any of the other number of things that a one-man show does, you're in a good spot where every camera pretty much on the market offers everything you need. And even this little guy right here, $400. $400 has a microphone input, 4K shooting capabilities, interchangeable lens, and it does pretty much everything you can think of up to ISO 3200-ish. And what are you complaining about, people? Go out and enjoy all the freaking awesome tools that you have. When I was your age, 
let me tell you, you spent $4,000 on a camera, and it was basically crap compared to what we have today. And, and if you wanted to have depth of field, you had to use a focus adapter with this upside-down flip-your-camera thing and vibrating systems and all kinds of bullshit crap. Pardon my French. It's just not that big of a deal. Now... In stills mode, you know, honestly, if if you are, you know, making huge prints or something like that, sure, go with all the megapixels. You know, Canon has an offering that has multi, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus megapixels. Sony has a 42 megapixel sensor. You know, there's tons of that, too. And if that's your bag, go buy it. But if you are a filmmaker, most of the 4K and 1080p cameras out there do a great job. Are you going to miss out because it's not quite as sharp as another? No. If your film has a flying shot with a freaking drone flying over something, that's cool. You know what? That that adds production value. That looks awesome. And if you can do it at an affordable price and it's not quite as sharp as another one, well, so what? If you tell a good story, no one will likely notice that it's a little less sharp than the other drone out there. Oh my god, did he use the cheaper drone? Look at that shot. It's just not as crisp as I expected it to be when he's flying over that school to tell his story. No, no one's gonna give a crap. They're gonna be excited that you have a flyover shot and ask what you did to get it. Deal with it. Sorry, now you got me no, ranting. No, no, no. <laughs> no, yay for the rant! Uh, by the way, a couple things. Uh, number one in the chat room, Craig, I love you. He said, Mitch is right. So let's just get that on video, right? And audio. Mitch was right. Thank you, Craig. Uh, number two, I forgot what number two was. <laughs> um, dang it. I okay. had a great number two. It's going to come to me. Um, shoot. All right. So, drones. Man, I'm sorry. I threw you off your game because I just jumped into a rant right there. Oh, oh, and 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 Shiznuts says uh, filters. Hey, do you ever shoot with an UV filter? Yes, all the time because I'm I'm lazy. I I I don't really care. It's not that big a deal to me, and I want to protect my lens from blood, gore, and other things that shoot it. Oh, that's right. You got the blood gore issue, right? I forgot about that. Cleaning caro syrup off of a lens is a pain in the butt, so I don't care if the UV filter takes a little bit of image quality out. I would rather have it on, and you know what? I wish they sold, maybe they do, and I just don't know it, a blank piece of glass (laughs) that you could just stick on the front of your lens. You know, and that's basically what I use a UV filter for. Now, rail on me about how that ruins image quality, because I know it's true. Uh, I'm not going to rail on you. I just, I, I, that was the other rant that I've seen recently is people just, it's the one guy that said he wouldn't use his 5D Mark IV because he got a brand new lens. He got it, shipped to his house, and it was going to be another week before his UV filter arrived. And he refused to take it out and shoot. What? He didn't have his UV filter yet. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you people, come on!" I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a really interesting article out there where a guy just basically scrapes the crap out of a lens and continues to take pictures and do video and so on. And you can get a huge number of gouges in your lens before it significantly affects image quality, which. I was really surprised about. Now, it'll definitely impact resale value, but uh, as far as quality goes, I mean, your lens can take a lot. They put a lot of coatings on there, and even old, old lenses that I have in my collection, FD lenses and Nikkor lenses, that the coatings are starting to be rubbed off, uh, those still look quite good for 30, 40-year-old lenses, you know, with scratches and so on. The image quality is excellent, especially in video where you're binning pixels and things get <laughs> kind of meshed up in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a, a website where this guy actually cracked his lens. And you can't tell that the lens, the front element, is actually cracked. So, um... Now, one last thing on this drone before we move on. 
I remember ordering, pre-ordering for six hundred and ninety-nine dollars the Lily drone. That's what it was. That's what I was. I was going to ask you about that. The stupid freaking drone that has never come out that you throw up in the air and it just follows you around with a bracelet. It's still not released yet. They still keep sending me emails that they've hired more people and more engineers, and pretty soon I'm going to get an email that they're closing up shop and they're done for the, you know, done for good. And here's our uh, chapter eleven. But for the fifty dollars more, I could have had this drone. You know, why did I invest in that? I don't know, because I'm dumb, and I, I'm not very good at flying a drone. <laughs> but now, in this amount of time, uh, technology's gotten to the point where I was at the drone pavilion at NAB, and they could literally push a drone out, and because of the image sensing that it was doing on the ground, it was able to get back to its point without any issue. It's gotten so good that even if you aren't a very decent uh, flyer, the drone will take care of much of that for you so that you can sort of just point it in a direction and go, which is pretty amazing now, especially in that sort of form factor. And that's one of the things that, uh, and I was corrected again in the chat room. My daughter always corrects me on this because I say Casey Neistat, and because that's the way it looks in my eye, in my head. But it's Casey Neistat. Ooh, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Uh, but the, when he first got the uh, Mavic, he was in his studio, and he said, "People told me that this flies really well inside." Uh, because you're, you know, outside you get the GPS and you can do all that kind of stuff. So, so he launches it in his studio, raises it right off the table, takes his hands off the controller. The first time he's ever flown it, and it just hovers, nice, like three feet right off of his desk. It's not zipping around the room, and he's not having to, you know, control it like crazy to keep it in one spot. It just elevates and hovers. I'm like, that's. That's what I would, I mean, what I would use it for would, right now, like I told you, I'm shooting this weekend, I'm, I'm taking photos of this, this marching band. And it would be so cool to have an aerial hover right over them as they're marching, as opposed to, you know, me shooting from the side. Everything, all the kids would go, holy crap, that's cool. And then this winter, my, I'm shooting uh, color guards and, and, uh, drum lines indoors in gyms now how cool would it be to have a drone that that just hovers right over the top of them as they perform their routines that would be cool as long as their routine doesn't last more than 27 minutes well yeah they don't they're seven minutes or eight minutes long but and you know i still have the fear of safety you know what if it happens to go crazy i still don't know whether you know well you don't want to fly directly over live bodies you kind of want to stay a little ways away from them and uh you know use certain precautions i I like the blade guards that they have on some of these Uh, that's a that's very nice Uh, personally for me the the drone offers up and i've i've hired drone pilots before to come out and fly for me it's way more compact and cheaper than having a techno crane drug out to a location to try and do some motion where I, I get the camera up in the air. You know, it may not look as good as having an awesome camera on a rig that lifts it up 18 feet into the air, but who cares? Right. It's way cheaper, way smaller, right. and way easier to accomplish a smooth shot. Especially when, you know, you're using one of the older ones because you're poor like me and you have to put weights on there and everything else and you do it like five times because the first two times you move too fast or the the actor walked away too fast. With this, you know, you set it on the ground, fly it up in the air, you know, they're walking forward, you get the beautiful shot of the camera rising up over their shoulder as they're going and bam, you're done. Walk away. And that sort of production value wasn't available not more than five years ago. Now, anybody, $700, $1,000, that is extremely affordable for that sort of thing. So there goes Kessler Crane out the window. Well, it won't do a complete with cranes because if you do want a high quality image, you're still going to have to lift a high quality camera into the air. Uh, But, you know, you've got stuff uh, out there now that Red's offering really small cameras, the Raven, for example. Uh, Aries got the Aerie Mini. Those cameras can be flown on drones and you can accomplish a lot of those shots in the same manner they're very 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 sexy and i'm using the word sexy i don't care okay now <laughs> let's talk about no, something wait. oh go ahead wait sorry i gotta hold up because we got an interesting question in the chat room 
privacy laws when shooting images. And, and I don't, I have, this is the one thing that I don't know about and was the, one of the other reasons why I didn't buy the Mavic right off the bat is I still don't understand the FAA laws here in the United States. I don't know what it's like in, in Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, and, and we don't need to go into any kind of detail. If you do know the answer to the laws, maybe a quick answer. Uh, but the, to answer Shiznut's question about privacy, uh, if you're out in the in public in the United States, there is no expectation that you will not be photographed or filmed. So there's that. Now, if you're in a private thing like the school gyms, I would I would have to make sure that all the kids were uh, appropriate or uh, uh, agreeing that. Although it is, I think they've given up their rights. But anyway, to, to most degree, if you're shooting, in, in, now if you're going and flying next door to your neighbor's apartment while she's showering, that's a whole nother matter. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> you'll go to jail very quickly. Just say no. Uh, but most of the time, there aren't there there isn't an expectation of privacy if you're out in public. Uh, basically, keep your drone under 500 feet, uh, register your drone with the FCC, and uh, don't go over certain speeds, and then there's FAA. weight limit, or FAA, thank you, FCC is broadcast, um, <laughs> and then uh, make sure that your drone doesn't go over certain speeds, and then there's a weight limit, which is rather large, so uh, unless you're using like a gas-powered drone, you're probably in okay shape. Now... That's a okay. lot of drone talk. We've gone 20 Sorry. minutes and we haven't even touched the other news stories. So, Sorry. man, what a bunch of rants already. Let's talk about this. If you want to look ridiculous in public, uh, here is an <laughs> option for you. MSI has released the MSI VR1 backpack. This is basically a massive, massive laptop shoved into a backpack form factor with a battery that gives you up to 1.5 hours of wireless gameplay in VR in public if you want to wander out and about in the world. Now, I guess there's several questions that come to mind when I see yeah. something weird like this, Mitch. First of all, what the hell? What are you... <laughs> Do you need to go out to the park and play VR games for an hour and a half by yourself? I mean, that part's shocking to begin with. Uh, secondly, the backpack form factor. Are, are you going to want to wear a 10-plus uh, pound backpack with batteries? <laughs> and thirdly, why not just tether yourself to a desktop and play in your living room or what have you? Is the tether that inconvenient that you might trip over it and fall or hurt yourself? Now go, Mitch. Answer all three. No, no, and yes. Hmm, tether um, danger. Got it. Tether danger. Uh, <laughs> I would, I mean, you got to have some guts to go out in public wearing this sucker, right? Um, I mean, you're either really cool or you're <laughs> really not. But the safety issue to me is the number one thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I go walking around in a park, like I'm thinking of the park down the street, uh, and I'm I'm hooked up VR wise, and I think I'm playing something. I'm going to walk right into that pond, quick as I mean. What's to stop you from walking into a tree? I don't know about that part. If you stand in the very middle, you might be okay. But I would run over and steal your wallet and run off because obviously you <laughs> don't know what the hell's going see. on. <laughs> Great point. Uh, I. Or put something in front of you, an obstacle, like you, you go stand in the middle of a football field and you start playing. And then, uh, you know, I will walk up really quietly and set, uh, you know, a stool in front of you so that you fall flat on your face. Yeah. <sighs> not go not happening. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I got nothing else on this one. It's just something ridiculous I saw. Uh, if you want to go play VR in public, uh, go for it. The MSI VR1 backpack. It's, it's a I, thing. I, I think you need to hire somebody like the camera shooters, uh, the camera guys that have somebody following them, you know, when they're to make sure they're not tripping. Like if you're if you're walking backwards filming somebody or, you know, you got to hire a third person, a second person to go with you to make sure you don't kill yourself. That gentleman touching my back to let me know when I'm close yeah. to something dangerous. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that actually does yeah. work really well. I've done that many yeah. times. Now, speaking of something that works really well, uh, I was actually surprised to see oh, this, gosh. and I'm trying to click on the show notes, and for some reason my computer is freezing, but GoPro <laughs> has basically added full control, finally, finally, 
of ISO and shutter speed in the Hero 5, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out that they're actually going to trickle down that in firmware to the Hero 4 Black Edition, so you will finally be able to set your ISO as you want and set your shutter speed as you want. Uh, That's an interesting thing, and I'm actually fairly surprised and happy that GoPro is adding that to the Hero 4 Black Edition, which means that those of us that probably aren't going to upgrade will still have the benefit of that update. Also, one other thing I didn't catch in the original press release of the Hero 5 Black Edition is that it will be able to capture raw files. So not video files, of course, but raw image files, which means if Mitch is flying over that marching band, he will have a little more latitude when editing his photos from the band from above. Now, uh, is any of this interesting to you at all, Mitch? I know we've dug a deep hole with action cams over the last few years, <laughs> but uh, they continue to bring more news to the table. Uh, well, let me... Uh, yes, it's interesting. I'm very happy that GoPro has finally listened to... <laughs> Guess what? GoPro was founded in 2002. It's taken them 14 years to finally listen to the customers and add manual settings. I'm sorry. Yikes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I mean, I'm sorry. I, should, I shouldn't be bashing them. It's great that they've done that. Don't get me wrong. It's great that they've done it. But, man, they could have done it a long time ago. Yeah, and it's something very easy, actually. If you um, go through and read the tech literature from Umbrella, which is the company that they build their platform off of, the chipset has that as a built-in option for output and controls uh, of that particular sensor and the onboard IC. So uh, why they didn't do it in the past, maybe they were afraid that people would set the ISO to something incorrect and then screw up their images and then therefore make uh, GoPros look uh, silly and stupid. You know, the user base there, if you don't know what you're doing, usually you go full auto. I I, I don't think that uh, someone who doesn't know about ISO or shutter speed is going to dig through the menus to try and find those things. They don't know what they're looking for. That's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, it's basically been a weird choice by GoPro to avoid that sort of thing. And some of the other camera makers have been giving you that for at least a generation or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's great. All right. That's all we got on that. Speaking of great, Mitch, I think we have a giveaway uh, this week. Uh, Let's take a look at this. Tell me more. Uh, I know very little about it, actually, because uh, I actually just hooked this up last night. Uh, I happened to be, I got a press release from the good folks at Sackler late yesterday, and I said, hey, I happen to have a gap right now. Do you want to give one away? And they said, sure. So I've been quickly trying to put this together. It will go live on Sunday, I think, is the official day we're going to go live with this. But this is the Sackler Ace, which is a very popular tripod of great video head, very sturdy. But this is the special Freddie Wong edition. And if you happen to know Freddie Wong, he's a crazy, crazy YouTube. You know Freddie Wong? I think I do. Uh, (laughs) YouTube guy does video stuff. Yeah. He likes to blow stuff up and pretend he's a kung fu guy and do fight scenes and stuff like that. It's very cool. Uh, so this is the special lemon lime green Freddie Wong edition. We'll be giving one of those away starting Sunday, this Sunday. And if you go to planet5d.com slash giveaway noob, you can enter that. Fluid heads are Sunday. good, guys. So if you don't have one, having a good tripod in your collection is always worthwhile, and uh, a free one is even better. And one thing I've complained about many times when I've get gotten sent to a shoot where I don't get to bring my own tripods is somebody shows up with this janky piece of crap that doesn't have a fluid head, doesn't have any sort of motion control stuff, and you're left trying to finagle a shot where you just need to, you need an easy pan, and you can't do it because... Guess what? Uh, this tripod is from Walmart, and it uh, costs five dollars. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's uh, my own complaint. Uh, I, I really did. I showed up on a shoot, 
And the producer gave me, he gave me the list of equipment. I'm like, where's the tripods in here? And he's like, well, we thought you were bringing one. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. So I had these C stands and all these other things that I, I didn't necessarily need, but I had no freaking tripod. I even had a, a huge doorway dolly, no tripod. And he's like, well, I'll go get you a tripod. And he runs to Best Buy and buys the first thing he can find for like $60. And it's this <laughs> horrible piece of junk that barely supports like a 10 pound camera. I don't, I don't even know why they sell that that stuff it's awful now speaking of sales i'm trying to transition good this week uh let's talk about sigma really quick uh sigma in an interview that was then translated so i'm reading the quote and it sort of doesn't quite make any sense now the future ef mount is beaming so yes we will come out of yeah or fe mount objectives in the future that's probably google translate there but basically this was a hint that sigma might be moving into the full frame sony fe mount market uh mitch i guess what do you think real quick uh, sigma has a great line of lenses they try to do that mc11 adapter which was canon to uh sony e-mount uh are they giving up on that you think and moving on to just directly compatible lenses Boy, you're throwing me a lens mount adapter question like that? You want me to take Uh, this one? I don't know where they're going with that. Um, Yeah, you take it. So uh, the reason I threw this into the show notes is because uh, a few months ago, I was actually pretty excited about the MC-11 adapter by Sigma. And if you're not familiar with that, that was the adapter that gave you the capability of adapting Canon F or Canon... uh, Canon mount lenses, yeah. EF mount. There's why are they so close together? Canon uh-huh. EF mount lenses to FE mount lenses on Sony cameras, and we were excited about that because that opened up the ability to use a lot of Sigma's art lenses on a Canon body, and the adapter supposedly was specifically designed to work with their lenses uh, on a Sony body. Now, it turns out that uh, it was rather flaky, inconsistent performance. Uh, Sometimes it would actually lock up your camera. And there's a great uh, little article on LensRentals.com, if you go check that out, where he basically doesn't recommend people rent it from them because (laughs) it is a a rough piece of kit. And substantially, the price on that has dropped down to around $200 or less if you look around on the Internet. Now, that was very disappointing, but... Uh, the standard for FE mount and the controls for that are uh, public information. It's, it's not like they have to reverse engineer that. So if Sigma starts making lenses that are specifically designed for the E mount, specifically the full frame E mount, and that's what the FE stands for, we could have lenses that work about as well as the Sony offerings and are far less expensive than things that are stamped with Zeiss on them and uh, make the uh, lenses for the E-mount more affordable. That's why I'm excited about it. And uh, honestly, the primes that Sigma's been offering lately have been pretty well top-notch, although not as good a bokeh as some of the Canon offerings, but still, again, (gasps) more affordable price. Well, that's the thing. So not to dig too deep into lens technology, but Sigma has been making new lenses. Canon has been regurgitating lens designs that they've been using for, you know, the last 10 to 15 years. Now, they have improved on their zooms. Don't get me wrong. And they've updated a few lenses like the 24 millimeter has seen, what, three updates in the last eight to 10 years, which is is fairly substantial, but the 50mm f1.2 and f1.4 are the same lens that we've seen all the way back to the 90s. Uh, a lot of the uh, prime lenses, they finally, finally updated the 35mm f1.4. It, it's, it's Canon's really slow about updating their primes, and they are good primes, but there's a lot of new lens technology, coating technology, uh, manufacturing technology that could go into these that make them smaller, better, faster, or, you know, in some cases, at least better image quality than they were previously. So that's where Sigma's got the advantage is they keep releasing new lenses and the new lenses have the latest and greatest coatings and so on in them, whereas these older lenses from Canon do not. So uh, that to me is exciting. 
Mitch, you look like you're getting bored with this conversation. So. No, 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 no. I am never bored with lens conversations, except for the fact that I don't shoot Micro Four Thirds or Sony <laughs> FYZ mounts. But I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Do you think there's too many lens choices in the market? Uh, how many is too many? <laughs> uh, Honestly, so I don't think there's too many choices. I think the choices can be overwhelming for some people. And if you don't narrow it down to two or three lenses that you really want in a specific focal length, you are going to get overwhelmed. Uh, honestly, I would go look at three of a lens in a prime set that you'd want, Tamron, uh, Sigma, and Canon, if you're a Canon shooter, and narrow it down with those three lenses. You know, those companies all make legitimate lenses. And then pick one that either meets your price, meets your needs, or is a combination of those two things. Uh, otherwise, you know, anytime a company comes in, disrupts the lens market, uh, like uh, Rokinon, I believe, is now selling, well, Samyung, Rokinon's owning company under the brand Rokinon is selling autofocus lenses in the FE mount category and that is disrupting the sales of, of Sony lenses because now you can buy a 14 millimeter for much cheaper uh, I don't have any problem with that I think more choices and even less expensive choices will continue to be more attractive to people and uh, I don't want that to stop I want more I want more lenses <laughs> I want all the lenses and I want them to be as affordable as possible our cameras mitch and you know this have gotten so cheap now when you buy a 500 dollars body if you want to get great images you're looking at probably spending another thousand or more <laughs> on lenses uh we've seen the technology and cameras drop the price down substantially but we haven't seen lens prices fall that dramatically and if uh, more companies get into the market there's more drive to get to the lowest cost with the greatest value do you think that would force canon to lower their prices no canon's a jerk they're never going to lower their prices <laughs> that's what i thought you would say um i mean it, and, and it's interesting as i'm i'm listening to you chat uh Canon makes their money on lenses, right? I mean, we've talked about that a million times before. Yes, yes. they make some money on bodies, but primarily they're making bodies to sell lenses. Uh, and so it is kind of surprising that some of these lenses are so long in the tooth. They've, they've been out for... Now, I think Canon's marketing people would go, well, pff, they're still selling, you know, so why should we change it? Uh, and so... You know, I know they've probably got their eyes on all of these other vendors, and they're watching the sales numbers. I'm sure they have access to that. If I, finding sales numbers for any of these kind of things is really difficult. Uh, and, and I don't know. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna snipe on uh, capturing media who just posted, and you just replied. Uh, Canon is not listening to anyone, and they're going to become the next Kodak. Uh, I, 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 my feeling is, and I've spent plenty of time with Canon reps, uh, Chuck Westfall, some of the lower Canon marketing people. Uh, I've sat down with them time and time again, and they are listening, and I, I think that's. The perception is uh, somewhat incorrect, and I and I and I'm not paid by Canon. Somebody accused me of being a Canon. I'm. Not, I wish they would. If Canon would pay me, please, Canon, listen and and pay me a stinkload of money to be one of your reps. But they don't. Uh, they sit down and listen to people. I I was in the store with a Canon rep a couple of months ago, and he logged complaint after complaint or suggestion that I made it, and he's like I we want to know what you want improved in the camera and I, I mean he was physically on a laptop registering my comments so it's not and I and I saw in in the Canon little feedback system so it's it's not like they are not listening what people don't realize is that and I'll go back to this analogy if you're an if you're floating an oil tanker or you're you're 
cruising from Saudi Arabia to the United States, how long does it take to turn in miles an oil tanker? Oh, you have to plot that way in advance. I mean, it, the curves. Have, you, yeah, you, it's at least seven miles that you have to when you before when you start turning that it actually starts doing something because you've got all of that oil that fluid that you've got to make move momentum and it's momentum exactly and that's what cannon is cannon is a big oil tanker full of a lot of oil and sony and all these other guys are the little tugboats that are going because they have the mobility cannon is not like that they're conservative and they're slow and if you don't like that then go buy can sony or panasonic or whatever but you've got to just you can't bash Canon for being Canon because they're not going to change. They've shown it time and time again that they're taking their time. They're listening to their customers. They're averaging all that stuff out and coming up with what their plan is. Now, and, and you want to march your little feet over to another brand? They're okay with that because the, their sales are showing time and time again that that's what people want. They want sturdy products they want lenses and camera bodies that work every time sorry oh that's okay you know you're right uh, panasonic and and sony uh well sony i guess to a less extent but panasonic definitely is a lot more nimble in the market sony uh i don't know if i would say i would say they're in the canon boat except that they have so many ip options to choose from that it's more like they just go to the shopping mall uh pick everything they can find off the shelf throw it in a bag and then stick it in a camera and say okay here you go guys uh you know sort it out for yourselves figure out which features are important to you we gave you all of the ones on the shelf uh good luck and and canon could do that because they have a lot of ip to work from Uh, but i guess when you say that they're listening it they do make some some improvements, but you see cameras like the M5 that we talked about last week getting features that their higher-end cameras are missing, and you wonder who's making the decisions on these, and is the one section more, I don't know, flexible than another section? Do, do, they, do they get more leeway to dink around to add stuff to these uh, lower-end cameras? Because... Why would you do that? Why would you take features away from an expensive camera and add them to the cheapo camera? I think it's because of what we talked about before is they're testing with the cheaper cameras. I I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I think. Uh, And Sully said in the chat room, come on, they listen, but they don't implement. I've talked to several people, and, and the 5D Mark IV is a great example, I think. Uh, I had a conversation with a couple of people. Canon, one of them is a Canon rep. The other one is somebody who's using Canon uh, stuff. And he sent he sent me this just yesterday. Uh, he's he's now shooting with the five D Mark IV, and you know he's like, I've I've sh- just shot the same scene with the five D Mark IV and the Sony A seven R two and the GH4. And he's like, the image that's coming out of the 5D Mark IV is, in his opinion, so much better, and he doesn't have to do post-production on it, and therefore he's going to use, even though he's, you know, everybody's bitching and moaning about the MJPEG and the file size and everything else, he's like, I can edit it, I can shoot it, I can put it out, and it just freaking works, and it, and the image looks great. So I've just done a direct comparison, side by side with an AR A7R2, which everybody's you know like that's the full frame beast, on on Sony side, uh, and the GH4. Everybody loves the GH4, but you know that's a crop sensor, and and let's not fight about the crop <laughs> sensor. But 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 my point just simply goes to the fact that. The people that I have talked to that have sat down and looked at multiple camera systems and all the ranting and raving about the 5D Mark IV, and they just sit down and they use the 5D Mark IV, and it works. It does what they want. It looks great. It's sharp as as they need. 
And all the pissing and moaning about the little feature set doesn't mean squat because these people are out there using the cameras and they're like, I like this camera. I'm going to keep using it. Is Canon slow and missing missing the latest nose picking accessory? Yes. Does it matter for what you're shooting? 99% of the time, the answer is no. I don't know. I'm so, giving up I'm the sorry. 5D Mark IV personally. I, I, uh, the MJPEG and the crop were enough to kick me out of the door. I have no complaints about image quality or sharpness. Uh, a feature set, I think the touchscreen was a phenomenal addition, actually. Surprisingly, not expecting to like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I have enough cameras, and this isn't enough of a move forward for me to to stay on the Canon right. brand. Sure. And, but, that's, and that's great. But is that's it bad? You know, no, I don't think it's bad at all. Uh, I don't think that it's the worst camera ever. Uh, you know, is it worth the money? As a photographer, yeah. And I think, I don't want to say you're completely right, Mitch. The video options Canon has always sent kind of slacked on because they do have a pro line. But the, as a photography tool, this camera is awesome. I love yeah. taking stills with this camera. It's it's great. And if I were a pro photographer, <laughs> I would want this camera. You know, this is a great camera. Uh, Canon has always listened to their photographer side, uh, photography side, but their video side, uh, I don't know. Maybe their ears aren't as well wide open listening to uh, maybe. Well, I'm let wrong. me let me ask you a question. Seeing as how this has been brought up in the chat room by Capturing Media, he says, "I love the 5D4, but that codec will double pr production time." Yes. Probably quadruple. Um, okay. Why? Okay, so before in the other cameras I shoot on, I send out a lot of proxy files for editing. I could just send out my 4K files because they're small enough that I can throw them onto a single memory card, mail a 128-gig card to my editor. My editor takes care of all of the early edits and then sends me back a file in Premiere that I can start working on. Uh, the Motion JPEG is so big that I can't just send the files out. I actually have to generate proxies, which takes an overnight process of monitoring folder, rendering out smaller files, and then sending them off to be edited. Uh, that for me is extremely inefficient. And uh, on top of that, the number of memory cards that are required to shoot for an entire day uh, is astronomical. Uh, file transfers, even with USB 3.0 and very fast cards, you're going to spend almost as long capturing the footage as you are transferring the footage to a hard drive, which is another frustration that adds time. So I would say two two times the production uh, production time would be a very conservative statement, to say the least. Uh, and then on top of that, the time it takes to change out cards, to uh, change out media, and then battery life. Uh, we didn't talk about battery life, but uh, <laughs> uh, the MJPEG recording in 4K, I'm going, I'm getting probably half the time maybe if i were being very nice three quarters of the amount i would normally get out of the 5d mark three and recording time which is also more battery change outs and so on unless i want to also use a grip so uh, those are all things that have kicked me in the posterior uh, as i work with the canon and, 5d and, mark four and those those are absolutely very appropriate things to choose, uh, and I will counter that. Uh, not, not that it's necessarily a good counter, but the one DC and the uh, five. Uh, I'm sorry, the one DX Mark II. Uh, the one DC has been shooting motion JPEG for how long has it been out? Uh, four, I think four, four years, or five years. Yeah, uh, and you know, people have done a lot of great work with the one DC shooting motion JPEG. Oh, yeah, and definitely. If you look at all the stuff that comes out, uh, less than a half an hour worth of footage captured. We've got this nailed down. No problem. We're going to create a one and a half minute beauty piece where it's a lot of shallow depth of field and gorgeous people dancing around in beautiful locations. Great. You want to tell a story that's more than five minutes long? Uh, I 
am not the best shooter and I'm not the worst shooter, but my keep ratio, I'm probably one to one to four is is my shooting ratio <laughs> if I'm I'm doing a good. And if I'm doing bad, it's probably more like one to seven. So that means when you want uh, 30 seconds of footage, you're going to shoot, you know, six times that or more uh, to, to get the shot that you want. And you start figuring out, OK, I'm going to do a 10 minute short. Well, a 30 minute memory card does not cut it it's it yeah. does not cut it at all and uh, you know if you're doing something more technical like you're uh having to do a special effect from multiple angles or you're doing a, a crane movement or something else you're gonna end up getting maybe 10 takes out of those things and suddenly i'm changing memory cards every five minutes you know 10 minutes an hour at the most you know like that's that's ridiculous and i guess i could buy one terabyte memory cards and uh, be done Not with yet. it. No, Not yeah. yet. Uh, 512 gig yeah. memory yeah. cards and get two hours on a card. But then I have to put that somewhere. And yes, hard drive space has gotten much cheaper, but I'm not going to store, you know, two days worth of shooting <laughs> on a terabyte hard drive because that's ridiculous. Right. So, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not belittling you in any way, shape, or form. Oh, no, no, my, no. My, my, my other side that playing the devil's advocate i realize in saying this that i'm talking about an extreme condition and that's when i spent time with shane hurlbutton in california uh in his studio and this was a couple of years ago i i suspect it's probably not true now he had five to ten one dcs sitting there that they were using on you know movie sets Hollywood movie sets. But that means he's got the money, the budget, the time, the staff, and all of those additional things to help him do what he needs to do. Whereas, you know, you are working on small budgets and don't have time and money and all that other stuff. So I'm just simply saying that there are some people using it and they're probably the people that can afford to use it. And, and, and that's great. Uh, and so I appreciate the one on, you know, the feedback. Because to me, I mean, I've seen people talk about production. The I've shot some 4K. Now, I don't shoot video all the time. So uh, I've shot some 4K. I've brought it into Final Cut Pro. The motion JPEG works like a charm. I export my movie and off I go. Now, and if I want to, I can, you know, reduce the file size when the, you know, convert it to ProRes or something on the other end. But I'm not doing all the things like you're talking about, shipping it off to somebody else and all the kind of stuff. I'm just working my own little thing and I do my little thing and it works fine. So I'm glad to have the opposing viewpoint and that's why I talk to you all the time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing. I'm not trying to say don't buy the 5D Mark IV if it's what you need. And to be honest, if you're just shooting 1080p, they've improved the image quality of 1080p footage uh, oh, noticeably. Yeah, awesome. It looks really good. And that's full frame. The, uh, if you just need 1080p and you're going out to uh, do a lot of still shooting, people. which is, yeah, which is a lot of people, uh, then you are in good shape with this camera. Uh, will we see a full frame 4K camera in the 5D line? Eventually we will, but it'll be the Mark V in another three to four years, most likely. Uh this camera isn't for me, but uh, maybe the next one will be. And sure. it makes me and sad because I have all this Canon glass that I'm sitting on that I'm adapting instead of using on a Canon camera. Oh, but what do you do? There are actually rumors, by the way, of the 60 coming shortly, maybe early 2017, with the flippy-dippy screen and touchscreen. And maybe, maybe that's where Canon's going to put some of the stuff because – Again, the 5D line has always been for these photo professionals. So maybe we, we still have an opportunity there. But anyway, let's All right. move on. We've, we've dug long that long. one into the ground. Let's, uh, let's talk about this really quick. Uh, Vitek has been buying Ooh. up... Vitek? I know. You're right. I'm am, I, am I saying that right? V-I-T-E-C. No, right. Vitek. Uh, not to be confused with Viacom or many of the other Vias that are out there, like Avaya. Uh, but this company has been buying up uh, movie and camera uh, adapter type companies. You know, people that make screens, people that make uh, tripod stands, people that make uh, uh, adapters for red cameras. We've got a list here. They bought Teradek, uh, Paralynx, Small HD, um, 
I don't know what this other company is. OptiBase? Uh, yeah, what does OptiBase do? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what OptiBase <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I gathered up all this information, but I don't know what all these cameras do. Off Hollywood Digital makes backs for RED cameras. I do know that. And now they have purchased Wooden Camera, which makes rigs and adapters and so on. What's going on with this conglomerate buying all this stuff up? And then I checked on the – I actually did a little bit of research here. I went to the, the stock report <laughs> oh and, and found that uh, their, their parent company that's been buying all these camera companies is up 10% year over year in their value and uh, uh, earnings. So what's going on with this, Mitch? Are they just consolidating HR for all these companies? Is that what's going on? That's a dadgum good question. If you go look at the, the booze at NAB – uh, they have a big, big booth section where they put all of these vendors together. Uh, and, heck, that probably saves them money right there because they're not renting individual booths. They're just jamming all these guys together. Uh, it makes a lot of sense corporate-wise. Uh, and, and, in fact, Sackler uh, is is a Vitek company. You know, Teradek, obviously, that you listed uh it's it's just astounding how big the Vitek group is becoming and it's it's working because i mean it, the for example the the pr company the the public relations uh the gals that i'm working with are are doing public relations for all the different companies so instead of small hd having to have their own pr their own staff their own accounting and all that other stuff Combining them into one is certainly giving them the opportunity to to focus more on the products and let the administration stuff be done by Vitek. So, yeah, I think it's working really well. It's a it's interesting that uh, that's their their sort of forte is they're not really changing the companies. Uh, everything we saw from Small HD and the and these other companies uh, have all been improvements, and it doesn't seem like they're product line is suffering from any of this although i will say i haven't seen a lot of mixing of uh different product lines together you know we didn't no. see a small hd with a, a teradec adapter built into it or you know a yep. uh, paralynx yeah but that was kind of what i was expecting <laughs> right. with all these buyouts was that they were going to sort of combine technologies into a super sweet monitor that has wireless hdmi transfer at 4k to another device or you know something crazy like that but but it is nice that the companies aren't changing uh and they're making money so obviously they're doing doing something correctly uh correctly and the feet the other fear, though, is that maybe they become a monopoly and prices go up and that starts causing problems, right? And that's true. And uh, oh. it does give them more buying power, though. One of the things yes. that uh, small HD always had issues with was securing monitors uh, for their new panels because they buy a small enough amount that it is insignificant to any other uh, corner of the market, which means that manufacturers aren't really willing to jump on board to sell them, you know, 10,000 monitors, because why would they do that when they could sell a million to Samsung or a billion to, you know, Apple or whoever? Uh, But if you can go to one of those same manufacturers and say, well, I'm only going to buy 10,000 screens, but I'm also going to buy 10,000 widgets and uh, uh, injection mold process that I need for this other thing and uh, these frames for this and some uh, machined metal for that, then suddenly their bargaining power goes up uh, substantially. And maybe that 10,000 monitor order isn't as bad as they thought, you know. I love the chat room, by the way. This is great. Now that we've got this switched over, these guys are great. So, and I know I'm just, I'm, I'm changing topics on you, but, but they're just sitting there chit-chatting. And guess what they said that I have said for a long time? And Capturing Media says, yes, the XC10 wasn't so bad after I tried it. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't received very well at launch, says Shiz, but people that used them seemed converted. And I said this over and over and over. So so it's just fascinating that that I'm right yet again. 
Okay, let's move on. Sorry. I did see in the chat room, too, and uh, I don't know if this is legitimate or not, guys. You'll have to send me some sources, but uh, I saw that uh, a few of them suspect the 6D Mark II may use the same codec as the XC10. If that were the case, that would be great, because uh, if you're familiar with the XC10 and XC15, both of them have like a 324 meg codec that's... Uh, I uh, got 422, and uh, I think it, it might even be 10-bit instead of 8-bit, which is interesting is in and among itself. XVAC? Yeah, the, yeah, I think it is, actually. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you're not familiar with 10-bit versus 8-bit, uh, uh, just think of it in a binary count. 8-bit would be 256, so that's how many colors you have to work with to represent a color captured by the camera. Now, if you add two more bits to that, it goes up exponentially. So 9-bit would be 512, and 10-bit would be 1,024. So now you have 1,024 colors to represent the same image as opposed to 256, which gives you a lot better color accuracy and representation. There you go. There's your science for the day. Uh, get that out of there. Okay. <sighs> Take a breather. Two things left to cover, and then we'll get out of here. They're very fast. Nothing really super exciting, but sort of interesting. We've got two lenses here, Mitch. We've got the Olympus 12 to 100 millimeter f4. What? Uh, this, 12 to 100. That would give you basically a 24 to 200 millimeter equivalent nice. super zoom on a micro four thirds, basically giving you the the range of one of those super zoom point and shoot cameras in an official lens. Uh, early reviews say that this thing is tack sharp from corner to center at all of the range and it is only slightly larger than the 12 to 40 millimeter from Olympus which means it is a fairly compact and petite. Olympus has been doing really well with making hardcore very solid lenses for micro four thirds bodies. Mitch, any comments on this before I just move to the next lens because it's just a lens? <laughs> you know, uh, this is really um, stereotypical of me. Uh, that's not the right phrase. Um, I don't know what the right way is. When I see a small lens, I think it must be cheap. If I see somebody shooting with it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, if you've got a big Canon white lens, God, I'm so jealous of that. If this if this does what it what what you say it does, that's cool. But you know, I I, I just have this. It's prejudice against small little dinky lenses. It is f four too, guys. So you know, in micro four thirds format, that is you're you're not going to get much in the way of shallow depth of field, even extended right. all the way out. But that is a heck of a range and yeah. a fixed range as well. So for video shooters, if you don't mind. Uh, deep focus you can uh, do a lot with this and for travelers especially uh, one lens to rule them all you won't have to carry a bunch of lenses with you and of course weather sealed uh, very solidly made all of the olympus lenses are beefcakes in that term uh, oh i actually have dang i forgot this um, a quick insertion here because uh, i <gasps> forgot about it the firmware update <laughs> i just saw this in the show notes that i typed and i forgot about uh there's a firmware up update out for the 5d mark 4 version 1.02 fixes very little except for some of the battery warnings and the communication issues with the eos utility but uh guys Keep an eye out because with a firmware update, that means Magic Lantern could possibly start hacking this camera and make it better. <laughs> Focus peaking, please. And a better <laughs> Kodak. Okay. That, oh, you sold it, so what do you care? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm done with that camera. It's already on sale, um, though. The 5D Mark IV can now be had for $3,300 instead of $3,400. I saw that. So I, I have to back up. I, the only thing listed for this firmware update on the Canon website is the EOS utility thing. And you said battery issues. I saw battery. Yeah, I saw a couple of, uh, of press releases that weren't on the Canon site, and I'll have to go dig those up. But they mentioned uh, battery communication. So huh. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, my batteries were giving me hell, even though they're official Canon batteries. Uh, several of them would ask questions before I started, and I had to answer those questions to get my yeah. camera up and rolling, which is uh, irritating, to say the yeah. least. Uh, and it was a problem also with the 6D initially before several firmware updates. Um, I don't know if that's actually fixed or not. I'll... I don't know if I'm going to bother updating my firmware before I, I toss my 5D Mark I thought IV. you sold it. Oh, okay. 
it, go, it goes out the door on Monday of next week. I am shooting a few more bits and pieces so I can pop up a review on it uh, and and basically service all the complaints I have about video on the 5D Mark IV. Okay, last thing here. One more lens to cover, and then we are out. This is another Olympus lens from Photokina. This is the 25mm f1.2 Prime. It is a beautiful-looking lens. Again, I compliment uh, Olympus on their design. All metal bodies, well-built, water-sealed, all of that business. But the price tag on this guy is going to be about $1,200. Now, at $1,200, Mitch, we were talking about lenses earlier. A 50 millimeter f1.2 on a full frame body can be had for about 1100 to 1200 dollars, and a full frame body, you know, the 6D for example, or the 5D Mark III, can be had for the price of a new Olympus body. What's the attraction here? Is it just uh, size? 1.2 f1.2. That's the attraction. It's super sexy because it's really, really wide. But F1.2 on a M4.3 at 25 millimeter, you're getting basically like F1.8-ish uh, equivalent. On a 50. Yeah, on a 50 uh, full frame. So, I mean. Okay. Not so exciting. Yeah, I, I saw this and I was like, ooh, that looks nice. I need all of the aperture. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is silly. What am I doing? I have a 51.2. I'm slap myself in the forehead and walk away from this thing. <laughs> Uh, there's also an F1.4 out there that's uh, significantly cheaper, about $350. Uh, you can get that from Panasonic. For, for the difference of a point two. Yes. Great. Th- there is a huge build quality difference in all Olympus lenses versus Panasonic lenses, although Panasonic has been upping their game. If you're a Micro Four Thirds shooter, you can probably attest to this. Uh, go touch a 12 to 40 millimeter F2.8, and then go touch the piddly, 12 to 35 millimeter f2.8 from panasonic and uh the build quality difference is through the roof like one is just a plastic feeling uh it almost feels like the difference between the 51.2 and the 51.8 from canon that's how significant the build quality is it's just ridiculous Uh, but you pay a ridiculous price for that so (laughs) deal with it all right. Uh, last thing before we go, don't forget the giveaway that can be found at planet5d.com slash giveaway noob. Again, planet5d.com slash giveaway noob. Mitch, do you have anything else before we get out of here? I am just so excited to spend the whole day tomorrow shooting photos and video. It's going to be great. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Mitch, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at rantcanon.com. Rant, get it? Rant. <laughs> That's a fun. Uh, planetfyd.com, planetmitch.com, and planetmitch wherever fun social media can be found. And of course, guys, you can find me at dslrfilmnoob.com, One Lone Dork on YouTube, and of course on Twitter at dslrfilmnoob. Why did I switch that up? I don't know. Don't ask me questions. <laughs> and you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you next time on another episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast. Podcast.